Hey, hey, welcome to a brand new episode of the Straight Up Show podcast. I am your host, Calvin, joining my co-host, Brandon Lee and Christina. How are you guys doing today? It's all good. It's all good. Season two is looking real good right now. I've been doing well, and congratulations, Brandon. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a very good, you know, been pretty, pretty good. No complaints yet. <laughs> Everybody, every some people have asked, "Have are we still married?" And you know, we're like, "Yeah, like why? Why you ask that?" But <laughs> so fast, so fast. And Lee, how you doing today, sir? Doing all right? I'm doing all right, man. I'm I'm, I'm a little hot, but who isn't these days? Yeah, and it right. is pretty hot. And hey, like Brandon said, we have some new episodes coming on way, and it's gonna be hot. Uh, it has been a crazy, uh, I guess we say all season, but uh, we took a little break, you know, for Brandon to get married and uh, putting this show together is not easy. So uh, we took a little break and now we're back and we're going to be hot as ever. And we started, I want to start this uh, first episode back uh, into it about something we started a couple episodes ago and it was about the impact of COVID. And I'm pretty sure that if all you listen right now, we are all still going through COVID. I uh, started around February. Uh, it really hit the impact of the United States, uh, especially. But now here we are in the fall and entering the fall at the time of this recording. Uh, and it is still it is still impacting all, a whole, the whole world. Right now, the world, as we speak at this recording, uh, there's been over 21 million cases confirmed. Uh, around 70, 770,000 deaths. The U.S. has 5 million confirmed cases. And right now we are at 170,000 deaths. And and Brandon, I know that you and I talked before that we didn't see any uh, insight of this any anytime soon. But, man, we, we've taken a break. And it's been somewhat of a steady, steady climb and, and a decline. But now it's just uh, we are entering the fall. And the fall, of course, is when kids go back to school and some kids have to graduate as we stated before uh kind of online or do it you know at a football stadium but it was definitely different for people yeah like like you said we are actually recording this it's uh still summer and it's it's kind of hard to say like what the fall winter what the future is going to be like even like uh, I know we're gonna get to our guests soon, but I'm I'm sure the perspectives of what each school system or how they're tackling this in our own area is different. Um, I know I talked to some teachers, teachers, um, and even um, uh, subs that I know, and getting you know their perspectives and how they look at this, but it's wild. And yeah. 2020 has nothing has been nothing but wild yeah and i i can agree with you on that one but so i think on this episode we're going to go somewhere that some of us actually where we all met was in school but we're going to go step step below that we're going to go back to public school and we're going to go talk to teachers who are facing the impact of covid but they have to go to school and uh some of them may or may not like it uh so are you guys want to go to school with me oh my god <laughs> what is that? Why are we doing this again? Well, I mean, Christina's ready, Lee's ready, Brandon's ready. I mean, I hope you all are ready as well. Because coming up next, we're gonna talk to some of our public educators and hear what they have to say about facing COVID, going back to school. 
Hey, Calvin here, host of the Straight Up Show podcast. And guess what? We're back bigger and better than ever with new guests, new straight up topics, and a new way to support the Straight Up Show podcast. That's right. You can now support our podcast by becoming a Patreon patron. Straight Up has four different tiers that you can choose from, with each tier having their own perks. Your monthly donation helps us produce efficient Straight Up content that you love so much. For more details, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Straight Up Show Podcast 318. That's patreon.com forward slash Straight Up Show Podcast 318. All right. And class is in session. We are going to school today on the Straight Up Show uh, Podcast. And uh, before we get into that, right now, I'm going to talk to some teachers uh, who uh, who are educators in my old school, my old parish. Uh, keep in mind that uh, in Louisiana, we have parishes, not counties. So uh, it's, this, it's a parish called Caddo, and these are educators in Caddo Parish, uh, who and aspiring educators, by the way, who are going back to school. But before I even introduce them, I want to tell you the cases that's going on right now in Caddo Parish as of today of this recording. Right now in Caddo Parish, there's over 7,000 cases of COVID-19 with over 300 deaths already. Uh, so the cases are steadily increasing, guys. And, I mean, this has to be a scary uh, thing. But before we kind of go deep dive into this, I want to introduce our guest today. Uh, first, we have Alicia. Alicia, can you tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Hey there. So I'm Alicia. I am a third grade math and science teacher in Caddo Parish, and I also work closely with a couple of the um, district teams for curriculum. Okay, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Really, thank you so much for that. No problem. I'm excited to be here. All right, up next, we're going to use her alias because, you know, it's, it's just public teaching. So uh, up next, we have CW. CW, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on. Okay, can you just tell us what you do and uh, what grades you teach? Oh, absolutely. Um, I am everyone's favorite person. I'm a middle school teacher, and I teach English, so I try to convince um, middle school children that reading and writing is fun. Uh, and I'm actually in Bossier Parish, so right adjacent to Caddo, and it's interesting because the school districts don't usually follow the exact same guidelines, so even though we live in the same community, we shop and eat and move around in the same places. Um, the guidelines for each district are a little bit different, and the schedules are a little bit different. It's kind of like a Twin City type deal. Exactly. Okay. All right. So uh, thank you so much, CW, for coming on the show today. All right. And uh, last but not least, we have an aspiring teacher, uh, Dasmond. Dasmond, how you doing, sir? How you doing, sir? All right, Dasmond, can you just tell us what you what, – I mean, you're in school right now to, to become a teacher. Uh, can you tell us, I mean, what are you aiming to uh, study or teach? Um, secondary education, which is high school, uh, social studies, which is going to be history, civics, government, how it works. Uh, and I'm sure I've, I've been told that uh, even what, while doing that, I'm going to have to teach, I'm going to have to coach some sport that I know nothing about. <laughs> hey, you know, hey, it took me until I think maybe high school to figure out football. So, I mean, Hey, it's gonna you, you live and you learn, right? Right. All That's right. A goal. <laughs> All right. Living well, and learning. Yeah, living and learning. 
All right, well, thank you, Dasmin, for being on the show today. I want to thank all y'all. So we're going to just uh, – first off, we have a rule today. I'm going to make a brand new rule. I don't speak with the best uh, uh, grammar, so do not – Correct me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> I am aware that I speak math and science. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> it's still summer. It doesn't count in the summer. Okay, it's still summer. All right. So just making sure y'all don't have to correct me, but because I ain't going to say it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right, guys. So, I mean, just to hear all this stuff going on in the news, I'm pretty sure that all you all uh, have been hearing what's going on, but I just want to hear from y'all. Just, you know, first off, um, I want to say thank you to all the teachers out there. I know that uh, dealing with students, period, is tough, and uh, I'm guilty of being one of those uh, bad students. But uh, having an aunt who is an edu- who was an educator, uh, to see the, the stress that she went through and just to hear all these stories, I mean, can, you, can y'all just tell me, I mean, how – I mean, I'm pretty sure that all of you have seen this, but how difficult – how stressful can it be to be a teacher? <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't mean to, to chuckle, but um, I think most teachers would initially smile at that because we we do have different kind of stressors than other jobs have. Um, I will say from my personal perspective, I came into teaching later in life, and I had about five different careers before teaching. So I have a different appreciation for it, I think. Um, I, I work more hours at this job than I've ever worked at any other one. However, it's the most rewarding job I've ever had in my entire life. And even though I spend more hours at work, I spent four hours in my classroom today. I spent about six hours in my classroom yesterday on the weekend. I mean, today is the weekend. Um, but it doesn't feel like work all the time. And the reward that you get is so, it's so immense that it's worth it to me. Um, and I think most educators would probably agree with that. Um, but this year is a completely different set of challenges. <laughs> um, when I left today, I looked, I glanced at my wall right before I left. And because I'm in middle school, I teach multiple um, blocks of students throughout the day. And for each block, I had set little labels at the top to keep myself track of where I'm going to put their things. And for each block, I have an A schedule, a B schedule, and a virtual schedule. So this year, instead of keeping track of one group of students, I'm keeping track of three groups of students for each block. (laughs) So (laughs) I've got to, you know, for every day of the week, I've got to figure out, is this child uh, virtual learning today? Is this child virtual learning the entire time? Or is this child, am I going to see the student in person today? Right. Um, it's a I lot to bring around. <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine how stressful it can be, but uh, just hearing you say it can be real stressful, but rewarding. Alicia, I mean, do you kind of share the same sentiments as, as CW or? Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, I, you know, the biggest uh, fight that we have as teachers is that, you know, we work eight to three and we have summers and holidays off, but like we don't get paid for summers and holidays. We literally get paid for 180 days and um, that's it. And so all the overtime and stuff we put in for, it's unpaid. Not that it matters, you know, because if you ask any teacher, they're going to say they don't do it for the money. And, and it's very true because 
as stressful as it is and as much of our own money that we put into what we have to do, the outcome is amazing. Um, to give you a little instance of that, I've had a student previously when I taught fourth grade, he couldn't even read or write his own name. But I wow. went out and did what I could, you went out and bought manipulatives and whatnot to help push him a little bit further. And by the end of the year, he built me a whole house and could give me the equations to match the dimensions of said house. And um, so that was worth it. It was worth the money that I put in for him. And it was worth the hours I put in to um, get him to where he was. Is so, it your personal money? Yes. Wow. Um, because, I mean, the schools give you the curriculums and they tell you what they would like for you to teach based on the state standards. Um, but they don't always give you the resources that you need to teach it or, or the resources to teach students who are behind. Um, they expect you when you're in, walk into the door in third or fourth grade, you already can read, you can already write, you already know your numbers. So you don't need manipulatives. You don't need that line paper with the dots in between to form letters, you know? So we're not given those resources. And um, as teachers, to help our, a lot of our lower level students, we have to go out and spend our money. And the same goes for our advanced students. If we want to push our students ahead, we have to usually spend our own money to make that happen. I've heard wow. that. heard that and, before. And yeah, and I have too. And trust me, like I said, my aunt's been a educator for nearly most of my life, actually, before I was even born, but just to hear her stories. And uh, I can see how that was rewarding. And I, as a student, a former student, you know, that makes me proud to hear uh, teachers like you going the extra mile for their students. I, I, I want to talk to Dasmond now. Like, hey, man, you're hearing, Kate, you're hearing CW <laughs> and uh, you're hearing Alicia say all these things. It, hey, it's not too late to turn around. <laughs> uh, are you, you still, you still want to do this or what? Man, I got, I've had plenty of friends who, have gone on to be teachers and within five years, as I uh, started going to school, the, the instructors are telling me that a lot of people, once they get into the profession, within five years, you know who's really dedicated to it. But at the same time, it's, it's not just their own personal dedication. What they have to deal with is you know, school board administrators. They have to deal with all these mandates. Um, a lot of them um, saying that and I don't know if you mind me saying this, Calvin. Me and you are cousins. We Go have the same aunt. Right. And uh, uh, like I, I, I've heard the same things that she was saying, you know, the things that kind of restrict the teachers from teaching. But education is, is vitally important to a society. And um, I do want to stay dedicated to try to become a teacher because we need more teachers. And there's a lot of demand out there for black male teachers out there for yeah. uh, just for any person being a dem demographic to be able to say, you know, I, this is how old I was when I finally saw a black male teacher. When you hear how old they were, typically some of them say when they went to college and that's yeah. kind of, it's kind of sad. Right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Representation is so important, especially for our young black students in public school today. I know we're, 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 we're Sorry. I would. I, I didn't want to speak over. I'm sorry, but I, I do think it's really good for all of our students because the diversity of role models that they have in the classroom. Because everything you learn in school is not in your textbook. That there are mm -hmm. so many other skills that are learned, which is why this um, situation with the pandemic and COVID-19 and 
why we are going back to school is so important because as every single teacher I would, I would think has some sort of apprehension of going back right now in the current situation we're in. And there are just so many things that go on in school that are beyond the textbook. Um, the role models like Dasmond that a student will need in the classroom and then all of the other services that students get in school. Um, they may get speech therapy, they may get um, counseling, they may get free lunch, they may get um, enrichment, they may get um, that may they school may be the one place that they feel safe and connected. And right. if we are all at home, learning virtually, those kind of resources just don't translate the same way. And we're going to actually touch on that here uh, in the next block uh, a little bit more uh, detail. So if you guys can save that portion, we're going to go back uh, into that. But I want to go back to what you all have said about uh, representation. Uh, that is very vital. I think uh, on a previous show, we had a foreign exchange student who came uh, to the United States and she said that one thing that really changed her perspective about the United States uh, were the love of the teachers. And just to hear that the teachers cared so much because they don't have a personal relationship with their teachers where she was from. And just to see that the teachers open up about their dogs and their kids, that's not, you know, they're looked at as dictators in the classroom in other countries. <laughs> but, but, you know, the love that the teachers shown to a foreign exchange student that made that person want to come back to our country and, and learn more. And that, that inspired me to hear that, you know, you have that impact uh, on that and sharing a personal story. Uh, I had some issues in high school and my teachers uh, at my high school, Mr. Williams and Ms. Proto, uh, I was prom king and I didn't have a prom suit and they put tipped in money to get me a suit for prom. And so I, I thank all of you teachers uh, for what you do. And we're going to kind of go talk more about, the duties that y'all do, especially coming up now, uh, this upcoming semester, a year in school. Uh, more with these teachers that we have on our show coming up next. What's up, everybody? Brandon here with Straight Up. We want you to be mindful of the importance of wearing a mask out in public. We know it's uncomfortable, but believe it or not, you are saving a life. This virus has hit our community hard and scientists are still looking for a vaccine. So wash your hands, practice social distancing, and most importantly, Wear a damn mask. Wow, these teachers are just amazing. But I want to talk more uh, to these teachers. I'm going to give you guys some stats, okay? Uh, we know COVID is running rampant in our country. Uh, but just out last Friday, uh, the CD CDC has reported that there are steadily increases in rates of COVID-19 in children. To where it wasn't at first, we, they it's is this this virus is becoming uh new things are happening with this virus they're discovering new traits and uh how this virus is evolving but apparently at first it wasn't in children now it is in children and now they're seeing this is a study in india that is suggesting that 45 percent of children may be asymptomatic and so that's a little scary for these teachers going back in and if you all have been listening we have some incredible hardworking and thought-provoking teachers. I mean, Christina, I mean, I mean, what do you think? I think teachers are the most unglorified professionals <laughs> that this, the United States has. Um, and I, I come from a family 
flooded with teachers from pre-K through college. So I've, I've spent my whole life having to deal with coming up in classrooms, putting up bulletin boards and grading papers and all this oh, stuff. Yeah. So I, I know there's so much that goes into it and I know how important it is to teachers to be there for their students as best they can, because so many of you have to become parents to your students. You have to be therapists and their friends and things. And people don't think that's your job, but it becomes a part of it based off of you know the humane side of it. But you inevitably have to feel uncomfortable when it comes to something like COVID because it is prominent in children. Well, it seemed to be more prominent in children now like uh, my oldest sister is diabetic. She just recently had an issue with it. So she's now taking insulin and it lowers her, it, it messes with her immune system somehow. Uh, I don't understand how that works, but it does. And so is her husband. Like he's got an immune issue as well. So she has a different set of fears about going into the classroom knowing that she's going to be surrounded by minimum 20 kids, typically, She's got about 30 to 35 squeezed into a classroom. Uh, and virtual is not an option for her in elementary school. So for any of you, if you have any pre-existing you know, health concerns, does that change your perspective on this at all? Yes, it does. Um, and I actually have that specific issue. Um, I don't have any outward medical conditions to speak of. Anybody seeing me on the street would say, oh yeah, she looks great. Um, and I literally have one medication that I take, but it lowers my inability to fight infections. And when I met with my doctor a month or so ago, she said, well, if schools are going back in session, I don't feel comfortable leaving you on it. So, you know, I'm putting myself in a position where I'm literally choosing, I'm making healthcare choices based off of my job. Um, and, you know, can I control somewhat what goes on in my classroom? Yes, but I can't control where every child has been the other hours of the day before they come in or my other co-workers. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone is sort of taking this at a different, um, everyone has a different way of dealing with this. And some people, uh, you know, based off of, you know, uh, they don't have an option to just stay home. Some people have to, their parents are, have been working this entire time and that kind of thing. So you're just by going into the school building, you're exposing yourself to a lot of people and they've all come from different places. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that people, people are having to be aware of that and make those choices before they go back to work. Um, and even if it's not, even if it's not me, it might be my husband, it might be um, a child that I have, uh, could be, you know, do I want to continue to see um, my parents or my grandparents or anything like that? And people are making those choices because of, because of school starting back. Right. <laughs> okay. And just to pop in a follow-up question there, I'm sorry. Um, sure. I, I, I won't name any schools or anything, and I won't call out the school board because I'm not 100% on this, but has there been word of anything sort of like a uh, waiver of sorts that should you become sick by going back to work, you cannot do anything about it? Like there's no suing or anything to hold anyone accountable for that. Is that something anybody, any Christina, of you have heard about? 
I can answer that question for you for sure. Um, yes. Louisiana passed uh, House Bill 59, and that leaves all public, non-public charter schools, all of that completely unliable. Like you cannot sue them mm-hmm. um, in regards to COVID-19 saying that um, you got it from that school or from that setting. Um, so yes, the state did that for the schools. The system did not, school systems did not have to do that on their own. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't know much about that when I know it, it brought my sister to tears when she just heard about it. Because two two of my sisters, like blood-related sisters and my mother are teachers. Thankfully, my mother, who is 62 now, she would be so upset if I said that. Uh, she's retired, so she does not have this concern. But um, my, my oldest sister is in her 40s now, and my second oldest sister is 32. So it become if, if I'm not mistaken, it's more of a, a, a risk for them going into schools. Uh, and I was very curious about how that would affect them because that was just, you know, as you've got insurance, maybe you'll be okay with it. And they were like, actually, no. <laughs> that, that, that blew my mind. Was, to that, add to that, that's that covers, yeah, so that covers teachers, um, students, administration, like anybody involved in the school system cannot um sue for COVID-19 and um I wanted to add I believe this is relevant because one of the um to lead into the like the culture of that kind of bucking responsibility you have Senator Majority Leader Mitch McConnell who was uh putting out a, a coronavirus legislation that provides uh liability protection to large corporations so it's congruent congruent with the leadership from the top on down when it comes to, Hey, go out there. You're, you're out there exposed to the elements, but uh, there's no recourse for um, restitution. If something happens to you. That's, that's, that's so sad to hear that. And, and, and I'm pretty sure that all of you all, I'm pretty sure. And Dasma, you've done this. uh, Teachers around the, uh, the country, they have been protesting about going back to school. There have been, there are some schools right now in person session, uh, no virtual at all, in person session. And I think that we all saw what happened in Georgia. A little girl uh, shared a caption of a school flooded with kids with no mask in the hallway, which is jam packed. Uh, she got suspended for that. Uh, but they, they had another teacher in Florida uh, who was saying that they shouldn't, and I think all of y'all are saying this, but it should be no cases, I think 14%. Uh, 14 days no cases before and Dasmond, uh right. you you made you made headlines in Cattle Parish for protesting in front of the school board about the 14 days and can you just tell us you know what that was all about and who organized it and why you took part of that well i wouldn't say that i made headlines but uh like it says in the Shreveport times there was a small group of um teachers retired teachers and concerned citizens and as a student in education i one of the concerned citizens that was protesting. Uh, this was Monday, August 3rd, um, about 10.30 a.m. We met up to uh, protest in front of the, the Cattle Parish School Board, and it was organized by uh, a lady named Wallace Wachowski. I believe I'm saying her name correctly. Uh, that's the name that she gave uh, uh, the Shreveport Times. Uh, a mutual friend of uh, me and Wallace's uh, told me about this protest, and and I, as a concerned citizen, I wanted to go out there and lend my voice. I was a bit disappointed that there weren't more people there, 
but uh, one of those people who showed up was our aunt, uh, who is a retired teacher herself, and um, she she gave a statement to one of the news um, broadcasts that you know you have older teachers who are the older you get as a as a human being, your immune system gets weaker. I myself, I have type two diabetes, and I take metformin, astro. I can't pronounce these medications. I just take them. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry. Don't blame, uh, Don't blame you. No, I stay here. It's all, uh, but um, but but yeah, you're gonna have these little kids who somebody kind of took exception that I described children as like vectors of disease, and pretty much a, a vector is just uh, an, an organism that can take a disease or a parasite and pass it on to another living organism. And if you ha we have little kids in our family, they they pick up a piece of food, they put it down on the ground because they get distracted by something. They run back and go pick it up. Those are the little children that we're going to be having to take care of. If we're talking about older kids, uh, there's going to be social pressure to either take them off or uh, and do other risk averse, um, averse kind of things. Um, so that's kind of why I wanted to protest because I kind of found it irresponsible to send these kids back to school um, so early in such uh, uncertain conditions. So let me tell you, Calvin, a little bit behind that whole 14-day thing. Um, so the protest actually started because of Florida. Florida has had a huge increase of uh, cases, and they have actually been double of what I think is either 10% uh, if I think they've been over 10, 10 over 10% uh, increase of coronavirus. And this whole time, they were actually preparing for a hybrid uh, system of going back to school where that wasn't the case. So basically, they fought to and start protesting to say, hey, we need at least a little bit more time to adjust to a system that you want us to go into. Um, and they actually got the union to work with them. And they said, hey, if you want to uh, protest, if you want a, uh, uh, a strike, if you want to strike, the teachers union said, we are behind you. And that 14 day uh, no case thing you, you, you brought up, that was one of the things that I, I think the union said, hey, this is one of our demands. And I just think, a 14 day of no uh, no uh, cases in Florida was just right now unheard of. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. They're, they're saying 14 days of no cases, but let's be honest. Um, COVID-19 is not going anywhere. No. This, is a, this is a new virus that um, it's going to be around much like the flu, much like all the other coronaviruses. And the flu is coming too. Spread, right. You know? So to say 14 days, no cases is a problem. Um, and so I know CW was saying like, um, you know, talking about her side as an educator scared to go or not scared to go back, but definitely, um, you know, taking more of a precaution going back because of health issues. Um, I'll add to that. I have asthma and I'm very low immune system. This past school year, I had three different respiratory infections throughout the year uh -huh. on top of other colds and, um, viruses and what stomach viruses and whatnot, you know? Um, but with that also being said, 7,000 cases in Caddo with a population of 240,204 people 
is 3% of the population with a death rate of 500 of those people. And these are give or take numbers, um, is less is actually point or actually 0.2%, not even a whole percent of the population. Um, I think the real issue isn't going back to school. I think, um, class sizes and teacher respect is a thing and funding. We are buying our own cleaning supplies. Why are you sending us back to school when you don't even have the cleaning supplies to keep viruses, all viruses at right. bay? And Alicia, I'm glad you said that because that was my next question to you. I mean, you have third graders and trying to go back to, to dad's room and say that kids pick up stuff and go back and it's dirty. I mean, I'm growing. I still kind of do that a little bit. But okay. um, mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm about to say, <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. Anyway, I digress. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But no, <laughs> no, but just seriously, I mean, kids can be. Kids are gross. Mean, I, the, the kids are gross. I mean, picking the nose. <laughs> and so, and I we mean, love just, children, but they're gross. They're gross, yeah. But but just third graders, I mean, I can all imagine how gross I was as a third grader and, you know, carrying all kinds of germs, not washing your hands. And this goes to high, high schoolers too, but especially you know, going to like, you know, recess or, you know, because around third, well, I forget, but you know, kids get older and they start to develop, you know, uh, funk, and what? Funk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and funk comes with germs, and you know, and, and so I mean, are they teaching y'all how to be, or telling y'all how to be more sanitized in classrooms now? I mean, what kind of guidelines are y'all following? No. You know, just to kind of ask you that. No. Oh, well, it's simple. No. Okay. I, we have actually, in my personal experience, my personal school. We are, I think the more information that we get, the closer it gets to school starting has made me feel better. And that we have received cleaning supplies. We've received um, some guidelines about how that's going to go. Um, I, so that part has made me feel a little better. I don't feel the need to buy all of my own cleaning things. They provided a special cleaner for us with a special rag labeled with her name on it so even if my neighbor teacher loses hers and she takes mine then we'll know because it's there it's labeled um in our school the custodial staff is going to come around at the end of the day at five o'clock and spray each room with halt cleaner so we actually have to leave the building at that point and we can't come back until the morning so because it has to set which is good it also you know, runs kinks in the schedules that many of us keep because, again, the school bell might ring at 2.30 or 3 o'clock, but I promise you a teacher's work is not done. So, whereas many of us have a schedule where we may have a certain night of the week that we go back to school and work or we stay late until we're done, uh, we can't do that right now. We have to leave at 5 o'clock. But I would also touch on what, um, what our friend said about Uh, class sizes and funding, this has really brought a lot of that to light, where we're talking about how this is going to go, and so many teachers are saying, well, this is a silver lining for us, because on my A A day, I'm only going to have, you know, maybe 15 students. My B day, I may have, you know, 12 to 15 students, and I haven't had a class size that low. I don't know how much more I'm going to be able to do. This could be a silver lining that I'm able to get more done um, with smaller class sizes, and I think that this whole situation maybe brings some things to light about the education system in general, which is 
we shouldn't have to do fundraisers for cleaning supplies, which I've seen in the past few weeks. Come meet wow. our principal outside and bring a cleaning yeah. supply and you get to meet our principal. That shouldn't even be a thing. Like that I shouldn't, shouldn't, we shouldn't have to do that. You know, um, mm -hmm. I shouldn't have to get excited because I'm only going to have 15 instead of 30 in a classroom. And that's a lower number. I know many teachers, depending on what they teach, what subject, uh, that have more than 30. Um, so I think I'm hopeful that if there is a silver lining in all of this, that people's minds will start to open about how schools should function, the schedules, the funding, things like that. Um, and, and hopefully it will carry over into other um, workplaces as well, because I think this whole situation has brought to light that there are many jobs that can be done at home. From home, it doesn't have to be this Monday through Friday, eight to five, 40 hour work week to get things done. And if we can start to culturally wrap our brain around changing some of that, kids might be able to learn different things too. And there, there might be more time for that family unit to gel. Um, All right. So that actually brings me to something that I I'm very curious about. And that is our superintendents. So I don't know which area it is, but it's, it's a superintendent in Texas. And he had a plan to have a hybrid system to where he worked with so many people in the community to make it to where he tried to fit every one of his uh, kids' needs. Uh, for instance, uh, if, if there was a kid, if there's kids in a local area that didn't have the internet, uh, he would use some school buses that had internet supplied to them and put those in those areas to where kids or uh, parents can take their uh, kids to the area, use the internet from their school bus, or he even talked to some of the, the libraries to get them to keep their internet on um, or some buildings that he knew had internet, keep their internet on so kids could use their internet to do their homework. Um, a lot of that's not even touch, touching the surface. A lot of systems like that to where basically basically the community came together to fill the spots in the void that the uh, these kids needed needed help with for online and uh, of course uh, going into class. So like I have not heard or anything, but how well are the superintendents like really like? okay, we need to make this safe going as possible and using all their resources. Like, do you feel like you're, you're getting that sense, like the superintendent I just talked about? Um, so I'll have to, I, I want to kind of backtrack on what I said, that, and then I'm going to answer your question there. Um, I, we haven't reported back to school yet. We report on Wednesday back to school, and I'm sure we'll find out more about procedures for everything. Um, and so to answer your question, um, from my understanding already, every student in Keto Parish will be issued an, um, a device on day one um, if they have not already been issued their device by each school's principal, because um, that was kind of left up to the principals as to when they would issue devices out to each student. Um, but every student in Keto Parish will have a device at the end of day one of school on August 24th. Um, and then the issue with internet, it, um, from my understanding, Dr. Gorey has worked with Comcast in Caddo Parish to get hotspot, um, Wi-Fi hotspots out into our rural communities and into our, even into some of our um, 
urban communities to make sure that everybody has access to some sort of internet connection. Um, nice. But to add to that, the Caddo Parish school um, system, Wi-Fi system, it's common knowledge, isn't the best. So we're going to see how this works once everybody is trying to log in on day one, um, whether it be from a campus or logging into the system from a uh, outside source. Wow. That is like, I, I, I'm not even a teacher and I'm stressed out already. Like I, I am like having anxiety just hearing y'all having to go through all of this. So uh, kudos to y'all. And, and I know that we talked about me cussing on the show, but teachers are hella underpaid. Uh, scratch Hell? that. My, my bad. My bad. Stop that. That's the my curse bad. word that you want to use? Alvin. Language. That was the one. That was the one curse word. Okay. But to get back to it, teachers are curse is like Captain America or something. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, seriously, uh, just being serious right now, I mean, teachers are underpaid and it's it's scary to just to hear that y'all have to go through all this and y'all should be compensated for it and i, I want to ask y'all a question about what's y'all's resolution throughout all this coming up next uh here on straight up ladies whether you're a podcast veteran or just want to try something new let me fill you in on everything girl girl is a podcast all about empowering women to be their badass selves with segments dealing with personal problems, we all have plenty of those, and conversations on a variety of topics, from boys to entrepreneurship. If you like the dynamic of the Straight Up Show podcast, you're sure to fall in love with Amaya, a Pisces, and Paige, a Libra, as they share self-proclaimed mediocre advice and embarrassing stories. To join the movement of girls from all over, catch the latest episodes by searching GIRL, all caps, exclamation point, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. And follow at Girl the Podcast on Instagram and most other social media platforms. Bye, girl. Are either of you kind of like averse to the idea of being called un like glorified babysitters? Because I know... Oh my well, God. I know as far as my sisters go here in Shreveport and Bossier, one teaches high school in Ben and the other is uh, elementary school in Shreveport and another teaches high school in Shreveport as well. So I, I only know of them having to, um, you know, do the whole process with students who have special needs and not just mental needs, just like home issues and things. And they have to spend separate time before class kind of going over and doing a checklist of sorts with those students and so you have to be a therapist you have to be a friend you have to be a teacher and you have to be a parent and you do that all day and then you have to continue thinking about it once you leave the school so how, how, do you feel like you have to become a babysitter for for the sake of right, can hear me? To shake back yeah, hear um well, personally, I don't, and anytime I've run across a comment like that, I always say consider the source. Most of the time, those people don't have a friend or family member in the education system, and though their kids are the ones that I'm going to have to sort of teach and model to get that train of thought to go a different direction. So honestly, I don't even take people like that seriously that say things like that. I just try to focus on what we do, and honestly a lot of educators are also parents. 
I mean, that's the thing, you know, and what I said in a meeting that I went to before the school year started, I was like, we have to give some resources to our parents because we're asking them to take on an extra responsibility right now um, to help supervise at the very least um, the learning that's going on at home. And um, there are so many of the things that happen in school. It's not just, it's not just the English lesson or the math lesson or the science lesson. There are so many other facets to a school day and so many people that impact students' lives. Um, and, uh, and so anybody that would look at it as a babysitter role, I really don't take those people seriously, quite honestly, you know, I just try to focus on what we're, we're doing because it is a rewarding job. Um, even with all the extra stress and, and hours that I put in, it's 110% worth it. Yeah. Because my sister has also had a student who, uh, made it all the way to fifth grade and could not spell his name correctly. Sure. And she yeah. had another student last year who could not read. He was reading on a first grade level and mm-hmm. she had to put, she worked so hard to help him catch up, but their schedules, they only have 45 minutes in a class. So it, it, it would be so complicated trying to get him to where he needed to be. And it was a fight to get his parents to understand that he needed help to be where he needed to be. Um, he, he never reached that level, but he did graduate. So hopefully he's able to catch up at some point. Oh yeah. So like kind of to add to what you're saying, like I work, I work in a school like that. I have, I've taught third and fourth grade. I work closely with all students, um, all grade levels. And um, you know, there's students that come to school and they're ready to learn. Their needs are being met at home. So for them, no, I'm not a babysitter. For them, I am an educator. I am educating them. We are growing and learning and whatnot. Then there's also students whose needs are not being met at home. And it's not, Let me be honest, it is not always a parent's fault either, because Mm -hmm. some parents are literally in survival mode. They are working anywhere from 40 to 80 hours a week, um, and they can't be there to make sure that their kid or child is reading before they walk into kindergarten. And these days, our standards require a kindergarten student to already be able to read basic sight words. Um, By first grade, they are citing text evidence and writing paragraphs. In third grade, they are writing anywhere from three to five paragraph essays. So if they aren't at that point, they are already behind in kindergarten if they're not reading. And again, it's not the parent's fault fully. I mean, there are things that parents could do um, to do that. But if you're a parent who is literally just trying to make ends meet, So that that way your kid has a roof over their head and food to eat. You know, the last thing they are have have time to do is to make sure that their kid is reading fluently going into kindergarten. Um, And not to say that all kids can't do that, but cognitively though, even some of the most fluent first graders can't cite text evidence. That's not there. That's not a thing. I mean, I was a high school student and could barely cite text evidence. Um, so I think that, um, our state standards in that aspect are very unjust to, um, our, our students. And so the students who come in and cannot reach those academic, um, benchmarks are acting up. They are, um, doing whatever they can do to get attention and, um, their parents are sending them to school because they have to go to work to make sure that they're still going to have a house for them to come home to. And so in that instance, it does sometimes feel like you are a glorified babysitter 
but I would still call myself more of a nanny because I try to teach morals and everything else, not just sit on, sit there. And <laughs> Understood. All right, Daz, what were you going to say? Oh, I guess I just want to add if the subject is like our teachers just glorified nannies or babysitters or the role that they play as far as like caretakers because some parents need their children to be in some location with some supervision while they go off and go do, uh, you know, bring home the bacon. Um, another thing is, is that, um, yeah, students need to, to be able to retain information, absorb information, retain it, regurgitate it, and show some mastery of that subject matter. Um, I think cre uh, creatively and um, complexly about on the subject, and it's easier to kind of do that when the teacher is face to face with them. And I understand that's another reason why you know people want to reopen the schools, and that is a benefit of face to face. Um, um, uh, teaching, and that's just undeniable. All right, that was a great question, Christina, one that I've, uh, I mean, I, I, I didn't think to ask that. Um, and just to, just to take a little joke, Brandon, you said library. It's library. First off, so. Oh, dude, you don't, you have no idea. I still, to this day, there was a school play, which they probably won't be able to do. Um, I think I said uh, it was part of the, I say America, and, and it was, I say America. And I know <laughs> I have a lot, but this was like in middle school. But all my, a lot of my classmates and even friends, like just till this day, will not stop bringing it up <laughs> because I was going to bring this up. I had speech class um, in, in elementary. Mm. So I don't know how, if they still do that, um, how that's going to work because it was a lot of like, you know, CHs and C, uh, SHs and all that. So yeah, that's, that's wild. I don't know if they'll be able to do that, especially with a mask on. Right. Yeah, well, they but... do. One of my best friends is a uh, a speech therapist in Cato, actually, and uh, and sh they do have some masks and shields that they can see their face. And but it's a challenge how they're going to be able to do those services, especially if you have a student that's virtual. Um, they may have to log in and give them their uh, therapy through the computer. But again, those are, that's one of those services that's so so important. And if we're all virtual for a long period of time, those services don't really translate the same way. Yeah, and you end up like me and still have trouble. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. In this podcast, I sit there and refer to teenagers as risk-averse and anything but that. Uh, right. One of the things I wanted to bring up is like, in the American language, with all the different combinations, possible combinations, one of the reasons why kids have a hard time learning to read under regular conditions it's because, you know, you could look at the CH in church or the CH in Chicago and they could reasonably ask you, why is that different? And uh, <laughs> it's harder to do that under these kind of conditions with um, virtual learning. With a, like uh, that uh, protest was asking for the first nine weeks to solely be virtual. And I think that is reasonable with, for the first nine weeks just to see how things go. Um, 
because that 14 day um period is unreasonable this quote cool. Brandon, you messed up again. You said elementary, and I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. I'm giving you, I'm, I'm giving you a hard Wait, time. Weren't you the one that said no, like grammar policing and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't even understand how hard he's probably trying to say everything correctly today. <laughs> but no, and, and we're still talking to our teachers, and I'm just giving y'all a hard time. But uh, I want to play devil's advocate, and because there are a lot of people who are basically saying. Uh, hey, shut up and do your job. You're a teacher. Stop complaining. You do as you're told. So I want to ask y'all, you know, just the three of you. Um, sorry, ask you all. There we go. Uh, you <laughs> saying that first. That was, uh, you'd be surprised. Look at, look at news outlets comments page. Anyway, uh, so I'm saying, hey, okay, so uh, CW, well, you're supposed to, you, you, you know what you're signing up for. Uh, why do you care what the kids go through? Why do you care? <laughs> <laughs> well because they impact my life as much as I hopefully impact theirs um, when I teach a student I spend nine months with them and you're in a minimum you know at my level you're at minimum 45 minutes a day with them five days a week and you get to know them as much as they get to know you so it does matter to me what happens to them outside of school I want to make sure they're safe. I want to make sure that they feel confident um, going into the next phase of their life. And it, th so that kind of, in that way, it does matter. Um, in the same way, it matters what, you know, what we're all doing before we come in the school building. Um, it just, it's all very interconnected. All right. Well, thank you, CW, for that one. And Dasmin, why do you care? I believe a wise old philosopher once said, uh, I believe the children are our future. Teach them well. And let them <laughs> lead the way. Lead the way. But seriously, that honestly is a great uh, explanation. They are our future. Uh, that's why we care. We need a subject that I feel near and dear to my heart is the dumbing down of America. And I feel like it's a concerted effort for some people. And, um, high places like Congress, the White House. Um, <laughs> and um, lack of education leaves a populace vulnerable to manipulation and coercion. And I believe it's just as simple as that. Education is very important. It's a, a tool. And without that tool to fight with, you are left to the elements. Yep. Wow. Okay. I like the Are way they, you worded that. Yeah, that was that was very very articulate. There we go. It's <laughs> like Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Word of the day. You know. oh, sorry, my bad. Oh, right. Lord. That was <laughs> a great point. Very great point, though, Desmond. Really, really great point. I'm so yeah. glad you're going to be. I'm so glad you're going to be an educator. Yes, me too. <laughs> Alicia, and and the same question goes to you. I mean, you 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 use your own money to to fund to help we your, your students and and. You all do, and all do. why? Why do you? Why do you care? I mean, I mean, you have other students. Why do you care about just that helping that one to get the resources oh. they need? Oh, it's never just that one. Um, that was just one example of many, many examples. Um, when I when I buy the when I buy things for my students, it's never just oh, this is just for him, um, because uh, 
the, Con, Confucius said, uh, education breeds confidence, confidence breeds hope, hope breeds peace. Um, we, all of that, like an educated society to go on it, is a stronger society. And if you don't, if we don't educate our children today, what's it going to look like in the future? You know, these, this is our future. Um, like the other educators have already said, children are our future. And, um, so a little background on me, I wanted to be a detective before I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a juvenile um, detective and to work with juvenile issues and whatnot. Um, but something just clicked one day and was like, why do I want to hit, why do I want to reach children when they're already on that side of the law? Let me go and try to reach out to these children before they even get there. And so that made me turn around and become a teacher. And I am a teacher in the transformation zone in Caddo Parish, which is the bottom 15 schools in Caddo Parish. Um, and my, my students are predominantly African-American. And whenever people scream about the crime in our black communities, um, it drives me crazy because half the time they're not doing anything about it. And as soon as you mention, um, like, what are you doing about it? They want to return. What are you doing about it? Well, I'm educating them. I am trying to educate um, our, our black neighbors because at the end of the day, they're our future. They might be my boss one day. They might be my daughter's boss one day. They, I mean, they are going to be leaders one day. And um, in order for them to be able to achieve, achieve that success, they have to have people who care. And when I say we can't get a fully staff, a full staff, we cannot get a full staff in any one year, nor can we get substitutes to come in and work with these children because they write them off as bad. And my students are not bad. They have needs that need to be met. And until you build those relationships to meet those needs, you're not going to get, they're not going to learn anything from you. And so uh, I care because I care about their future and I care about my future and our futures are going to coexist. Damn. That's a great answer. Preach. I'm, hey, you know, uh, I, I'm definitely blown away. Uh, I challenged y'all with that question and you all, all three of you to deliver. And I want to thank you so much uh, for that because those are three phenomenal answers. And I wasn't expecting that. Um, but it's just to hear you all say this, we have some work to do. And uh, just to hear Dasmond, uh, we don't have enough representation in education and we need more of that. Uh, and we're going to talk just one more block with these uh, educators who I'm very proud of. So you don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Lee here. And guess what? The reviews are in and the Straight Up Show podcast is a hit. Don't believe me? Well, listen to what one of our guest panelists, Dr. Monique Thompson, has to say. Listening, y'all listening to Straight Up and support this podcast because I listened in before I came on the show. I liked what I heard. They're really focusing on keeping things real and being real with you. And I like that approach. So you guys support this podcast. So if you want to listen, donate to the show, have a subject idea, or even want to be a guest, just contact us at straightupshow at gmail.com. That's straightupshow at gmail.com. This has been a very educational episode, not because we have teachers uh, in the building, but um, just a lot that I didn't know about. I'm learning so much. And with COVID-19 going on, this is going to be a crazy semester, crazy, not just for public schools, but colleges and uh, just elementary and middle school, middle school, private schools. 
uh, charter schools, it's going to be a challenge, especially with every, everything being uh, digital. We're using Zoom right now to do this podcast. And uh, I can only imagine what these teachers are, they have their own ideas of how this will work for them. So I want to end uh, this, this interview um, asking everybody questions, uh, more asking the educators a question. Uh, Alicia, what's your resolution for this year? What do you think that, that, that needs to happen for this to flow well and for this to go off? You know, because COVID, like you said earlier, uh, COVID is not going anywhere in the, in the near future as we see today. Uh, what do you think, what's your resolution for all this? Or solution, sorry. Oh my goodness. That is such a hard question because honestly, there's no right or wrong answer that's going to fit everybody. Um, you know, so, some some students can, can do the virtual learning and they'll have uh, the supervision at home needed to guide them through that virtual learning and to help out with troubleshooting errors and everything else. Whereas there's other kids who won't have that support. And so um, they would need they would need somebody else. And as teachers, we can't quite do all of that from behind the screen. Um, on the other hand, there's a lot of students who really need to learn in person. And so um, again, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I mean, I don't I don't have a, a resolution to that. Um, but in the long run, we have to re reach out to that equity, the division and equity that's going to show up whenever students come back on day one. Um, there's going to be huge learning gaps that we have to meet and there are major goals that are already set in place for us. And my resolution to meeting those needs would be smaller class sizes. Um, that's something that I've advocated since the beginning. I don't mind going back to school in person, but I'm going back to school to 24 students, which is quite a few for third grade. Um, some are going to be virtual, some are going to be face to face and I will be teaching them simultaneously. Again, that's going to be very difficult to do it in the moment, live in the moment. And um, COVID-19 or no COVID-19, to reach individual needs and to meet all the needs of my students, we need smaller class sizes. There should not be more than 15 kids in a classroom with one adult. Amen. Wow. Okay. Um, thank you for those answers. Uh, that answer, uh, Alicia, uh, CW up next, same question. What do you think a solution resolution could be, uh, with the impact of COVID, uh, coming up this fall school semester? Well, again, that is, that is a really open, it's a really big question. Um, that doesn't have just one answer. I would agree, um, that class sizes are so, so important. Finding a way to lower those, whether it's, changing schedules in the long run or whether it's um, I really think a longer solution needs to be that we need to entice more people like Dasmond into the education system. We need people that are motivated. We need people that are um, rational. We need people that are just good critical thinkers and we need to look at education as a really viable um, career that people want to do because it's completely rewarding and you're, you're absolutely preparing the next generation of students. And until we make it, until we make it a career that's really enticing uh, to people coming out of top colleges, to people at the top of their class, to the best and brightest minds that we have, we're not going to continue to grow. And it's exactly like she was talking about um, with staffing. 
you know, when, not if, but when there are some outbreaks that uh, people need to quarantine for. I don't know where our subs are going to come from. <laughs> I don't know where um, we, we should just have more people who want to be in the education system because it is so rewarding. And if it were more enticing, we would have more people that want to do that. And we'd be able to have lower class sizes. Would we have to build some extra wings and extra buildings and some extra schools? Yes, but would it be worth it? Absolutely. Um, I think the other long-term solution would be um, communi more community involvement. Um, somebody mentioned that earlier, and I just think that's ex extremely important. If there's a way for a struggling big a business to maybe um, open their place up in the evening hours when those parents that have worked all day and had to send their kid um, to in-person learning, or maybe they have a middle schooler or high schooler that is on an AB schedule, they don't have a choice. Even if you're sending your child in person, uh, two or three days of the week, they are at home. They are not in person at school. So finding a way for the community to get involved, maybe a small business that's able to open up and a small group of students is able to learn there as a co-op or um, a business that's able to kind of extend their Wi-Fi access, but you know, in return, maybe it brings in some business uh, people that are coming to use the Wi-Fi. May you know, um, buy their food or drinks or something. I mean, you know, some some way for the community to be more involved. The more involved they are, the more invested they are, and the more invested your community is, you're invested in the outcome. You're invested in these kids being successful, and. Um, that's what's going to make it successful as a community as they continue to grow and then these I mean because let's face it our learners in the classroom today are the community leaders of tomorrow so we have to figure out a way to involve the community so that everybody's more invested all right so uh, thank you CW for that uh, answer uh, that was a powerful answer uh, Dasmond uh, same question to you uh, so with people heading back to, uh, to school and you to college uh, these educators going back to school with the you know the COVID not being I guess uh, cured. Uh, what do you think a resolution could be going to school this fall or uh, this 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 semester? Well, for this semester, I, I guess um, like one of the demands that Wallace Wachowski wanted at the um, that protest is to um, virtually um, educate for the first nine weeks and and um, just test the waters from there because um, we only have so much information. We, we will get even more information once, you know, unfortunately schools are going to open up. They are incentivized to open back up because um, there are, I don't know if I want to use the word threats from the top that if certain schools don't reopen that they will not get funding. Um, <clears throat> so there, yeah, that's an incentive. Um, just the within the realm of possibility that that we can do if you believe in a higher power i guess pray okay so i mean that's a good answer i mean i like that just uh giving it just praying for a great semester and uh pray that nothing crazy happens uh but i'm with you let's definitely pray about it and just pray for our teachers man because they are essential and uh we need more like them uh, I want to bring in right now uh, a special guest all the way 
from Portland, Oregon. Uh, Lindsay, Lindsay, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. All right. Thank you for being on the show. And uh, I, I'm sure you heard uh, everybody's answers right now, but I want to ask you uh, the same uh, question. You're a choir teacher uh, in, in, in Oregon, and, and you know, it's stressful going back and hearing everybody else's uh, stresses about going back. But, you know, what's something that you think could be done or what stresses you out uh, going back this semester in school? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I feel very fortunate to be part of a district that isn't um, that is going to be online until at least November. So they've already committed to online school through at least November. And then um, I think our rules are that you have to we have to have uh, 14 days of no new cases in our county before it's really safe to open. So fortunately, I think that I personally think that's the best decision for students right now and teachers as well. Um, I think a lot of the people that are weighing in on this conversation aren't educators. And so they're not really in the school environment. They don't really know how things function. And so they come up with like supposed solutions for how we can have school in person, but they don't, um, but they don't really understand how schools work and how a lot of these um, guidelines just really aren't feasible. So I think the safest thing for everybody is to keep uh, keep our students online um, until we see at least two weeks of no new cases in in a county. Um, the way that I've chosen to to feel about this and deal with it is that as much as I would like to teach choir and I would love to hear my students sing together again, to me that is not worth the flip side which could be if we go back to school, a student from my school gets COVID and then passes away. To me, that is not worth teaching choir. Just straight up, my students' lives are worth more. Even though singing is wonderful and it means everything to me, that is not worth a kid's life. So I've been thinking of ways that I can still teach music, but do it differently. So my philosophy has changed. My philosophy with how I teach is now, what I do is about teaching students that music is still important. Music is still important in a COVID era and they can still interact with music. They can still make music themselves, even on an individual level. So one of the things I'm going to be doing is offering individual lessons with my students where they can sing for just me and I'll give them feedback. Wow. That is never think that, you know, choir can be virtual, but you know, make it work i mean do you educators other educators y'all have any uh input to what uh, Lindsay just said oh i i would uh you know just second that um that i i agree that you know every every time i try to think about the situation should we go back should we not go back um none of the, see, seeing my kids in person is not worth one of them getting really fatally ill or it's not worth them bringing it to the teacher next to me and, and she gets really ill from it. Um, if you look at it from a perspective of numbers, our numbers are higher than when we were pulled out of school. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to just, um, you know, be rational, be cautious, but not, uh, and just try to be as optimistic as I can considering this is the, the hand we've been dealt as far as going back right now. Um, and try to look at it from that perspective, though. As much as I love teaching, 
we, teachers want to be back in the classroom. That we we don't want to necessarily stay home and and teach virtually. It doesn't have the same effect, but it does tap into our creativity. Um, like Lindsay was talking about. Um, about how we're going to be able to just teach differently, how we're going to be able to connect with students in a different way. One of the things I'm worried about, um, it's inevitable that there are going to be students or, and staff that are going to die from COVID-19. And what regulations, how we adapt and uh, what teachers will have to do and administrators, administrators will have to do to adapt to how do you uh, cope with you know the of the loss of somebody who was sitting right there at that desk um, before and now they're not there anymore. Um, it, it is kind of surreal to just think about you know how, how we're going to have to cope with this. I am I Desmond. I never even thought about that at all. Wow, right. that's, me neither. That's 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 a tough one. Teachers are going to probably, yeah, go ahead. I mean, that, that's the thing. These are things, these are thoughts that have gone through my head and I'm not a person who's normally, you know, I don't, I don't overly worry about a lot of things, but um, the thought of any one of my students getting this and it being fatal, the thing is it may not be for one person and it might be for the person next to them. And there's just no way to predict that, you know. Um, and and I had someone explain it this way. I'm sure there's, you know, lots of analogies of how to explain it. People say, well, we've been back in this environment. People are going to the store. People are doing this, that. You know, if you're in a store, a cashier or um, someone may come in contact with one customer at a time at a distance, you know, I'm having 20-something customers at one time for 45 minutes. It's the same. It just doesn't translate the same way as going to a business um, in and out or being able to separate outside with your family or anything like that. So for us, it's a balance. It's a mental balance for teachers. Anybody that works in the school system is not just teachers. I wouldn't I you couldn't pay me enough to be an administrator right now. The weight of the world is is on their shoulders. And um, anybody that's in the school system thinks about how how this is going to affect everyone around you and um and you're just trying to balance mentally of how do i want to be positive for my students how do i put on a brave face for them but then how do i mentally deal with if one of them gets really sick if if one of my coworkers gets really sick um and you just have to mentally uh take that on <laughs> let's take that even further like how are those students going to feel if their exactly. teacher ends up sick and dead mm -hmm. and you know one of those students who might have a family member that had it or they themselves had it they're going to blame themselves and that's not going to be something that you know any child should have to live with are yeah. they even going to be forthcoming okay. if a teacher dies of COVID-19 that that's students right. this is what happened to your teacher because mm -hmm. look how they treated that child who took that photo of that hallway in school right Yes, she got death threats. Um, yeah. A lot of that can cause PTSD. Yeah. Is somebody going to call those teachers that die uh, crisis actors? <laughs> and, and I would hope not. That's that. that we are not going there, Dasman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but he's, I'm just but, saying, like I said, this whole thing is surreal. This is, I mean, it, it, is it is surreal. surreal. It is and, surreal. And, 
and I'm I'm happy that I have all of you all on the show because you know I I mean I'm well for the most part I I'm trying to be a calm person but y'all are giving me anxiety right now because mm-hmm. you're bringing out things that I didn't think that I would even consider just even watching the news about what y'all go through and and just the other levels of concern from the the PTSD portion of it or if the child catches it and have to have to see your friend in front in your front desk one day and the next day he's gone. So these are things that I didn't even consider. And I mean, Lindsay, do you have anything else to add to that at all? Yeah, I was, I was about to say, um, like, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing where your, where your mind was at based on what the news has, has, uh, has shared. Because I think that, that a lot of people, they're not, the news isn't really letting in voices of educators. Like it's everybody else's voice that I think is being amplified. That's the parents that are frustrated. It's the politicians that want the economy back. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of those voices. And so people aren't aware of the things that us teachers are thinking through. Like we are absolutely thinking through those things because we're with our students or we were with our students every day. Um, and Casey, I totally agree about how it's funny that we're talking about going back to school because at least in Oregon, our numbers are triple what they were in the spring when they closed schools. And so it's, it also is interesting how people's, um, people's perspective on teachers has pretty much done a 180. So in the spring when they closed schools, everybody was like, oh my gosh, teachers are so amazing. They should be paid a billion dollars a year because it's so tough taking care of my kids. And then somewhere in there, that narrative shifted and people are like, teachers are lazy and they don't want to take care of our kids. It's their responsibility to take care of our kids during the day, blah, blah, blah. But really it's actually the employer's responsibility to give parents the flexibility to work from home or have Mm. a different schedule. Um, So people are instead putting this weight on the shoulders of educators instead of employers. They're the ones that really need to change policies around this so that our society can still function. Wow. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much uh, for your answer. Uh, Wow. I mean, you all, I just want to take this time and thank all y'all for coming. Sorry. Thank all of you all uh, for coming on uh, the show today. Um, I've learned a lot. I mean, and I'll say it again. Uh, you guys are hella underpaid. Uh, sorry, hella underpaid. There we go. And <clears throat> you, you deserve that <laughs> language. Uh, but <laughs> but no, seriously, you you all are underpaid. And just just I can even I know my job my my real job is stressful. But man, I can imagine just the, the thought process. And I mean, if anything, y'all need to invest in some Rogaine. Or not Rogaine, but uh, some uh, color hair color Ooh, because. Uh, that's for you, Dasmo. <laughs> but no. Yes. <laughs> but no, because I can only imagine like your hair is going to be gray at the, at the end of this year. Well, so, fortunately, I mean, I'm bald. So. Yeah, <laughs> you're bald. But I, I think that the level of stress just going into this, you know, like Dasmo said, I mean, I, all I can do is pray. I mean, if I can, uh, if I can teach, I mean, I don't have a degree in education, but I mean, I have substituted and. That was for three months, and I wanted to quit so bad. <laughs> and these were these were this was at a private school, and these kids are way. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're with kids they consider Alicia students bad, but no, these private school kids, they those kids are even worse. Uh, I would because they anyway. Anyway, I digress. But um, I want to thank you all for coming on the show uh, today. Uh, we're going to conclude here in a second, but you all, 
I, I'm with y'all. Y'all can contact me and let me know if I can help or get the word out for y'all. But once again, just thank you so much for coming on the show and continue what you're doing because no matter what, I mean, just the little things that you do, like Alicia said earlier, just going that extra mile to help a student out, that does impact because my teachers did it to me uh, and it really changed my life. So if you don't think that your value, your value here at Straight Up and I'm pretty sure that our listeners love you all too. So once again, thank you uh, to CW, to Lindsay, to Dasmin and Alicia for coming on the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Calvin here, host of the Straight Up Show podcast. And guess what? We're back bigger and better than ever with new guests, new Straight Up topics, and a new way to support the Straight Up Show podcast. That's right. You can now support our podcast by becoming a Patreon patron. Straight Up has four different tiers that you can choose from, with each tier having their own perks. Your monthly donation helps us produce efficient Straight Up content that you love so much. For more details, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash straight up show podcast 318. That's patreon.com forward slash straight up show podcast 318. Wow, that was a, I mean, this is our first episode back and that was, I I was not expecting that uh, this episode to be. Uh, what it is, but man, this goes to show out that these the, these educators are very important. I mean, Lee, what do you think? Uh, you you weren't expecting it, but this is actually exactly what I was hoping for. So uh, a little inside baseball for y'all. Me and Calvin, you know, discussed how we wanted to come back this season, and like th- like this subject in particular was kind of like highest on my list. I mean, a, a because it's a hot topic. And B, because, like, if it weren't for such great teachers in my life, I literally wouldn't be on this podcast right now because I had that great direction early on in, you know, people passionate enough uh, with what they're doing that they wanted to help me find my own passion. And, you know, that, like, our teachers we have on today, that they exude that passion. And it is... It is so sad when our, you know, country, our country has literally failed these people and we need to do a lot better. And I, I think they articulated that so well today. And I am so appreciative for them coming on today. And, and I think we, we failed them just not even outside of COVID-19. I think we, uh, we failed them. And, and let me, I have to get this off my chest and, and this is exactly. like a confession. Um, I, I want to thank those teachers, uh, in my personal life, because I grew up uh, uh, poverty stricken. I mean, just I, I grew up rough, I guess, but fortunate enough to have teachers who cared about me uh, to get me where I am today. And I want to thank those teachers in high school that when I was in prom, I had they bought me my first suit I ever owned. Uh, thank you to those teachers like that. And I want to apologize to I, I can't I have to get off, off, off my chest because it does haunt me. When I talk about other educators, uh, it was a teacher in my high school named uh, Miss Jance, and and I was so nasty to her, and we would throw paper balls at her and everything, and I did not know uh, what she was going through. And you would never, because she was really quiet, and you can kind of pick on her. And I just want to say I apologize, Miss Jance, because uh, 
I didn't know at the time we were like, I guess, harassing her that she lost her husband. And that it just to hear what the our educators go through on the show and for me to be a snot nosed kid, just, you know, being bad and she's holding it all together. And, you know, I, I, that eats at me a lot. And so I know you, you'll probably never ever hear this, uh, Ms. Janice. I just want to say as a former student, uh, I apologize and for not knowing what you've been through and being difficult in your class, but I would never ever take uh, educators uh, for granted because you, you don't know what they're going through. And with COVID going on right now, uh, it, it's a lot. And just me, I'm having anxiety just even interviewing these people. And so Ms. Dance, if you're out there, I apologize. Uh, you, I should have been better, a better student to you, but enough of that. I, I, I just want I, I had to say, I had to get that off my chest, but uh, Christina, Brandon, I mean, we all know educators uh, in our families and just what did y'all take out of this? So uh, I now have a lot of teachers in my family now uh, coming from Kenya's side and she has just been worried, but and, and both of them are her great aunt, great grandmother, uh, and even her mother, you know, all in the education system. And it's one of those things where it's like they were hesitant, but as time got close, it was like, no, I can put in one more year. Because they're, they're at the age where they can retire. So it's one of those things where it's like when you ask a teacher not to do something, yeah, it's it's what they love to do. It's it's part of them. And Christina, uh, yeah, I my family is full of teachers. <laughs> it, it was almost guaranteed that I was supposed to be one, but I rebelled. Um, I I have a a very deep appreciation and respect towards teachers. I was that that one kid who basically never wanted to do anything wrong in any of my classes because I didn't want those teachers to have to deal with one more crappy kid throughout the day because I knew how that one kid would ruin somebody's day. Like, not ruin it, but they just like, I hate this kid. <laughs> and I didn't want to be that one. But um, for all of you guys here, I just want you guys to know, even when people don't mention it, that teachers are very appreciated. You deserve more than, you know, a teacher's appreciation. We, for a Office Depot paper bag with a pencil in it, you know. And I, I, I hope for the best for this semester for all of you. I hope it goes so smoothly that we feel ridiculous for panicking like we have. Uh, and I, I just hope you all stay safe. Uh, and Beyond all of that, thank you again for being educators because it's really hard and it's for the most part thankless. And hopefully you guys can hang in there to well past your own retirement ages too. Uh, and I share that with you too, uh, Christine. Uh, the teachers uh, definitely don't get the, the recognition they deserve. And, and hey, on our show today, we want to say that if you're listening to this, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you do matter. Uh, the, the financial side of it may not reflect that. Uh, but you make an impact because if it wasn't for teachers in college, high school, middle school, uh, as Lee said, I probably wouldn't be on the show today. So you matter. And as as uh, one of our educators said today that it's going to need we need the community uh, to back these teachers up, especially during these times. 
if you can help out anyway, if it's watching somebody's kids or knowing that they don't have lunch, making something to eat, you know, uh, I grew up in a projects and growing up in a projects helped me out because, you know, my mom had to work. The community was there to help me out, to give me food, to keep, you know, make me do my homework. So uh, I'm not saying it has to be just the projects, but it takes the community. Uh, it takes the community to raise a child. I mean, that That's a saying, but it, it, it's a saying that holds true because this is prime example. Things are not normal right now. And we need you. We need you. Our teachers need you. And do your part because you don't know what student can be the next president, the next NBA star or NFL star, but it takes a community to raise a child. So we hope you contribute uh, any way you can. We want to just continue this conversation on all our social media platforms. Uh, we are back and we're going to keep having more impactful episodes. We hope you enjoy this. If you have any more questions or concerns, visit all our social media platforms. Until then, there's only one rule to the show is you have to be straight up. Straight up. <laughs>